Last week, our very own Don Fazette rounded up a posse headed out to Deadwood, South Dakota for the Wild West Hackenfest. We'll bring you all the details from that on the IT Pro TV podcast starting now. All right, welcome to the IT Pro TV podcast. Today, we are recapping the Wild West Hacking Fest, which is something we, we determined we all have to do this every time we say the Wild West Hacking Fest because it just makes sense. But, Don, I'm here with Don Pazette. And, Don, last week uh, you were up in Deadwood, is that correct? Deadwood, South Dakota, which, you know, I had, uh, I've driven through South Dakota before, but I never actually, like, stopped in a city for any length of time. So it was really neat to get up there and see somewhere new it is very very different than florida <laughs> yeah my, my parents just went up to uh the dakotas and they said it was like you're on the moon uh, coming from florida it's just totally different but um the wild west hacking fest so this is where a bunch of hackers just get together and hack things or, or what's going on at this conference all right well you know first off we, we do have the uh the the condition that you've got to do the the finger oh, guns yeah. when you say I it, it and, once per and you can't pronounce the g that ruins everything right okay. it's the wild west Hackenfest. Hackenfest. Is it apostrophe? <laughs> yeah, just a little whatever. Right. Um, we gotta we gotta give it some credibility, right? Some some uh, cred, some Wild West cred. Uh, <laughs> so Deadwood, Deadwood, South Dakota is a little city. It's in a valley, and it is in South Dakota, in what is technically the middle of nowhere. Uh, it's about an hour from Mount Rushmore, which is okay. is kind of the the biggest nearby landmark that I could think the of. Only landmark and, I can think of yeah. in all of South Dakota, and that is so that works, true. yeah. Uh, so you might be asking yourself, why was there this conference in effectively the middle of nowhere? And uh, the main reason is uh, that in South Dakota, you have the Black Hills Mountains. And there's a little company I think a lot of you have heard of, which is Black Hills Information Security, BHIS. The Black Hills guys are based right out of South Dakota. So uh, for them, that's their local turf. That's their stomping grounds. And they wanted to put on a conference for security professionals. And they thought, what better place to have it than right here in our own scenic town, which before the conference, I said probably more than once, they're making a mistake putting this in Deadwood, South Dakota. This should be in L.A. or Las Vegas, Atlanta, you know, the big conference cities. It should be in one of them. i got to travel all the way up to South Dakota. This is crazy. Uh, but once I got there, man, the town is beautiful. Uh, it's very small. It's, it's up in the mountains, so it's, it's nice, clean air. Uh, it's a very kind of picturesque town. And the conference, it, it really went off flawlessly. I was, I was very pleasantly surprised by all that. So I assume that that means that the town has has evolved since the HBO show Deadwood, because uh, it, it really was not the kind of city you'd want to go to. Uh, well, it was um, uh, what was the the cowboy Wild Bill Hickok? Yeah, that yeah. was that was shot in the back of the head there. Aces that's and eights. Right? What they're yeah. that's what they're famous for. Oh yeah, aces over eights. Yeah. That was Dead Man's Town. Yeah. Well, there we go. So uh, Crazy Horse also up there. Yeah. Uh, you know, just a lot of really interesting that was in things. Paris, but all right. Um, <laughs> But you, you said something very important a second ago. You said, when we got there. And I think that's the key because uh, you took your time, um, <laughs> whether or not intentionally. Uh, but it's a couple-day fest yeah, festival, I guess you could say, while it was hacking fest. Um, right. But there were also some, some training that went on beforehand. And luckily, we had uh, Daniel Lowry go up and, and attend some of that. Uh, so we were able to get some, some insight from beforehand. Yeah, our, our original plan, you know, the conference itself was two days. And so it was a Friday and a Saturday. But they had a bunch of training that was going on on Wednesday and Thursday. And, and just like everybody else out there, we at IT Pro TV, we have to learn as well. And so each of our hosts tries to go to some kind of training event each year to, to learn some new things. And this year, we chose to send Daniel Lowry out to 
um, not just to Wild West Hackenfest, but a couple of days early to attend a, let me see if I can remember this, the Practical Web Application Security Penetration, penetration Testing Course. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Practical Web Application Penetration Testing. Anyhow, uh, so this course, where you basically go and you learn all about Burp Suite and how to use it and how to in inspect applications and, and check JavaScript and do all this pen testing uh, and learn some really good practical skills. So Daniel went out ahead of time, and the rest of us were supposed to come out on Thursday so we could film on Friday and Saturday. And we had a flight get delayed, and and with a conference that's in the middle of nowhere, it's not like there's a bunch of extra yeah. flights to reschedule. So we ended up losing a whole day. And when we got out there, we were able to film all day Saturday, which was great. But we, we really did lose Friday. And fortunately, Daniel was there. He went to a lot of the, the sessions. And so we kind of did a little interview with him to, to do a catch-up. Like, hey, first off, tell us about the class. And then secondly, tell us about all the great stuff that we're going to regret having missed from the day before. So he, he did a recap for us. Sounds good. Well, I think that's a, a great intro. So let's go ahead and jump to that. And then we'll come back and talk a little bit more about the Wild West Hacking Fest after that. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Don Pazette with IT Pro TV. I'm taking a break at Wild West Hackenfest. You know, I, I've been interviewing some you know knowledgeable and smart people, so I said, let's change it up a little bit <laughs> and interview this guy. You guys should know him and love him, Mr. Daniel Lowry, also from IT Pro TV. Um, you know, we, we, as in me and the production team, had a bit of a... Uh, a trial, a journey here. So we ended up missing the first day of the conference, but Daniel got here early to attend a class, attend some talks, and so he's gonna he give us the recap on some of the stuff we missed and get a chance to see that. So uh, so I'm excited to do that. And Daniel, let's let's start off with the class, because you, you came early because you were attending a class. And yeah. um, for those of you who don't know, Wild West Hack and Fest, you, you've got the, the conference, which is two days, and a lot of great talks, but right before you have the opportunity to go to all sorts of different training that's available. And, and you attended the Practical Web Application Penetration Testing course with Tim Toombs. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. Uh, it was it was very intensive. It was it was uh, typically I think it's a four day class, and they were putting it all into two days. So we got here early, we left late, we worked through lunch kind of stuff. But it was completely worth it. It was an exciting class. We saw a lot of practical web application penetration testing techniques. We worked a lot with Burp Suite. Learned a lot about Burp Suite and how we can actually. Uh, he, he was showing us. I can use just Burp Suite and do a complete pen test with nothing but Burp Suite. So that was an interesting thing to see that from start to finish. There was a couple other tools that we looked at as well, Beef and uh, just some third-party stuff. But we spent a lot of time looking at Burp Suite as a utility, as a penetration testing utility, as something that said, if you needed me to come in cold and give you some good penetration testing, find quite a few exploitations and vulnerabilities inside of your system, I could do it with a laptop, burp suite, ready to rock. Just give me network access. Yeah, and I know there's a lot of tools out there like like uh, Metasploit or Nessus or whatever, and, and they're all they're several thousand dollars a year to buy a license. Burp suite is really inexpensive. So Tim uh, talked about that a lot. He's like, it's $350 for a license. He says, if you're in this business, just get it. Just do the thing, spend the money, plop it down, make it a Christmas present to yourself every year, <laughs> and say, okay, here comes my Burp Suite registration, and just do it because it has so much functionality. I was looking at the Port Swigger website, tons of great um, uh, documentation on how to use what everything does, how to work with it. And then if you take something like Tim's class, the, the, the PWAPT class, I think that's correct, the acronym, uh, <laughs> you really see the power of how that works. You, it solidifies in your mind, oh, that's what they mean by redirector. You know, oh, that's what they mean by repeater. That's what they mean by intruder and the proxy and how all that works together to 
get that going was just using Burp Suite as, a, as, as your standalone product. It, it, was, it was really exciting to see. And then we were able to, he had given us a, um, a, an application that he had built so that we could test against that and have a, give us some. And it was written in um, Java and, and Python, or JavaScript and Python, um, React, stuff like that, modern things. We did zero PHP stuff. You know, this was, this was modern web application stuff. So that, that was really good too, to see that. He said that a lot of the stuff that we've done in the past and are getting training on in the past, yeah, you'll, you'll you see that, but not as much anymore. So we've got to evolve and we've got to go uh, learn new tactics to work with that and, and take old techniques, modify them so that they're new again to work with the newer UIs that we see. Yeah, and I, I know that was one of the things that made the course seem really attractive to me was that, uh, you know, for a textbook, it takes years for somebody to write a textbook and get it published and get it out there. and. That means the data is already somewhat obsolete. It's a couple years old. Uh, a, a university textbook is even worse. You know, it takes many, many years to get that done. So to find somebody out there who's showing you, here's what you can do right now. And and every company has a web application of some sort. At a minimum, you've got a website. So being able to to test and look for vulnerabilities to be able to see if you can penetrate that and do it all from inside of one tool. Yeah. Now you know, you mentioned Burp Suite. Going into this, what? On a scale of one to ten, what okay. what was your skill level with with Burp Suite? My skill level with Burp Suite would probably be about two or three, at that at that point. Going into it, I've used Burp Suite for uh, specific things, right? I never used it as an all-in-one, all-encompassing thing, because frankly, I wasn't familiar with all the things it could do. I knew of a couple of things that it did, and it did really well, so that's what I was using it for. But now that I've seen what they've done with it and how they've made it really an all-in-one kind of one-stop shopping uh, kind of idea, I can rely a lot more heavily on Burp Suite instead of going to Nessus, going to uh, Nmap, going to Nicto, or whatever for all, all these different things that I was piecing together and writing scripts to do automatically for me. Uh, I can just do it in Burp Suite instead now. Yeah, I kind of equate it to a hammer, right? I can tell anybody about a hammer and how you can knock in a nail with it, and yeah. there you go, right? Yeah. But I've used a hammer for a heck of a lot more. Maybe not rightly, but, but I use it for a lot of other stuff. You've so, stretched its capabilities a little bit, have you done? Very diverse tool. <laughs> All right, so um, so great experience with yeah. the course. Definitely encourage any of you out there to, to attend the courses if you great can, because it, it, it's just, if you're out here for the conference anyway, it's a chance to do that, but the conference. Now, it was really unfortunate that we missed yesterday due to yes, flights, but uh, there were a, late, a lot of great talks, if I can, if I can talk. Yeah. Um, I know you only got to attend a couple of them because you're just one person. So right. you can't there was usually two talks going on at one time, so you kind of had to go, should I go to this one? And, and you look at the schedule and you're like, oh man, I don't want to miss. Good news is, is they are filming this and it's going to be available, so that's, that's excellent, right? So now I can see the talks I missed, uh, and, and, and as well as others. Um, so that's good. But a lot of good talks. Yesterday we saw talks on hacking with Google, the um, basically being able to inject and, and fish using the Google, t um, not tools, but um, the yeah, the API, the Google API, all the docs and whatnot, and the calendar and things like that. Very, very, that was probably the best talk of yesterday. Great stuff from Dave Kennedy about just the state of um, security nowadays and how the good news is it's getting better. We all kind of like watch the news and it says, oh, the, the house is burning down around us and everything's exploitable, we can't use anything. It really apparently that's not the case. That blue team is getting a much better at their job and making it a lot harder for red team or attackers to get into a system. And then, you know, things like um, a hunt teams, the new idea of a hunt team, looking for people that have already infiltrated your system, having a team specifically 
uh, specifically dedicated for finding that out, looking for IOC, very cool stuff. Uh, what else did we talk about yesterday? Uh, practical uh, open source pen testing, just what does that look like as a business? Like how do you approach that? That was a great talk that I saw yesterday as well. A lot of good stuff, a lot, I took a lot of great notes, just a, a lot of cool tools that they discussed that I was unaware of, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to now run down and see how they work and put them on my system and start playing with them so I can implement them in my environments. Um, so far, so good, Don. Now, you told me yesterday about a tool you were really excited about. It was kind of a replacement for SET that would allow you to clone a website that even, <laughs> that even went further. Because, you know, if you want to do a, a proper phishing attack and you want to lure somebody to an alternate site to capture their credentials, you, you need to clone a legitimate site. Maybe it's cloning Facebook's homepage, right? Yes. And, and we've got tools for that. We've got yeah. the SET, which has been around for years. Works great. Uh, I love it. Yeah. But it does have some slight problems because websites are now starting to implement dual-factor authentication more. And it's hard to clone and fake that, but you saw something a little different. I did. They had two tools specifically. One was called Cred Sniper, which is kind of that SET idea, but is able to implement dual factor authentication, two factor authentication, multi factor authentication types of things. So if you're using that, well, it mimics that as well and does it very, very well, might I add. Uh, we were looking at side by side comparisons of phishing pages that CredSniper created versus the actual page that it's mimicking, and no one in the room could tell the difference, and these are all high-level security people, red team people, that kind of stuff. No one could tell the difference. It was, it was very well done. And then MailSniper for like, snatching up um, email accounts that it finds on, on websites and stuff like that. Those two tools put together seem to be quite the dynamic duo. Yeah, it's impressive stuff, and, yeah. and were those tools made by Black Hills or uh, somebody yeah, else? Yeah, I think they're Black Hills tools, yeah. Yeah, the team at Black Hills Security, or Information Security, they are just yeah. the, the top of the industry. So, you know, you definitely want to check out what they're doing. And I know you mentioned how, uh, as far as like a social media presence, they put a ton of information that's out there. Uh, we, we don't have it all like where I can show it right yeah. here, but we'll, we'll share that with you guys, the viewers, later on so that you can follow that too, because it's a, it's a constantly changing environment. We're constantly learning, and these are the people that are at the forefront of it, that's right? right? As I always say, you never step in the same river twice with this field, because it's, like you say, constantly moving. It's constantly changing. You have to be plugged in, aware, making that a part of your day-to-day -day grind, as it were, setting aside some time. Okay, I'm going to go check out some blogs. I'm going to check out some podcasts. I'm going to read some, some uh, articles that is based in that, and you're going to go to that every day and kind of just stay on top of things because of how quickly things change, how new exploits come out, and now you're behind the eight ball, right? Because this exploit's new, it's zero day at this point, we've got to figure out, we've got to get patches, we've got to do whatever. And if you're not following and watching that and staying plugged into what these guys are talking about, you're gonna have a hard time staying on top of that and keeping your system secure, and that's what it's all about at the end of the day. All right, Daniel, well, I know you got more presentations to go to today. I'm gonna to be doing more interviews here on the, the floor, so uh, you know, definitely get in there, see what you can learn, and be sure to come back and share it with the viewers. Will do, will do, looking forward to it. All right, I guess I'm gonna go. <laughs> All right, thank you, Don, for that field report, and thank you, Don, <laughs> for that field report. It's very weird going from a reporter back to this uh, when the reporter's right next to you, but um, that was cool. So we were basically able to kind of get the experience of, of what you guys missed um, when you were out there. Anything stand out to you specifically from that that you're, you're what's, what are you most sorry you missed? Uh, you know, there were a lot of good talks uh, by several people that we actually did get a chance to interview, so we'll be seeing them here on the, the podcast as time goes on. Uh, but I, I really missed some of the interviews with people that I knew. Right, uh, people like like Joff from Black Hills, who I've I've met through Paul Security Weekly, uh, who gave a good talk, and several of the other people that were out there on on day one, uh, but also just having a little extra time to spend with the vendors. That there were several vendors that were there sponsoring the conference, and obviously 
I, I want the conference to be successful. So you need vendors to help pay for things. You want the vendors to be successful. So I wanted to spend more time with them and unfortunately didn't have a chance to get with a lot of them. Uh, so that, that's kind of what we lost by not being there on the first day. But Daniel covered for us. We got some good information and, uh, you know, we'll try and make it on time next year. And this was the first uh, first annual, right? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it, it looked like a pretty good, you know, crowd for, especially for a first conference. That's not easy to do, especially a first conference in South Dakota. So, you know, hopefully this is something that we'll get uh, – Get to see grow. Yeah, you know, I talked to John Strand, who's uh, the, the the owner of, of Black Hills, and um, uh, he kind of told me what his what his goal was, right? And so he had had kind of two goals. One is he's all about outreach, right? Helping people get involved in security and, and do it the right way. Uh, and second, he was getting frustrated with a lot of the security conferences that were out there, ones that were selling out in minutes, like ShmooCon and DerbyCon, where they just sell out so fast you can't get in, or ones like DefCon that have sold out the other way, kind of the bad way, where now they've become this uh, almost cosplay-like event. And so he said he wanted to have a genuine hacker convention where you got security professionals together that were more of a family, yeah. that were you know people that, that all knew each other, it's small community, and really good information to be shared. So all the speakers reflected that. I thought they did a great job. The, uh, the hands-on labs and challenges, those I, I thought they were also amazing. Uh, most of that was put on by a couple of companies we'll talk about later. So all of that uh, is why they had this. And when I, when I first heard about it, I said, well, we should really go, but it's the first annual Wild West Hacking Fest. So I bet when we get there, it's going to be a mess. Yeah. And, you know, the first annual usually is, but I will tell you, they, I, I didn't ask, but they must have hired some kind of uh, event management company something, or something. Yeah. It was literally flawless. Like I, every speakers were always there, prepared. They were up and talking. Uh, we got in and out really easy. It was it was very well run. They did an amazing job. Now, Don, you mentioned uh, Comic Con is kind of what the other ones have turned into. <laughs> you know, I I helped edit some of these interviews. There's a little bit of that going on here, there, but there was something else going on in town, isn't that right? In Deadwood, yeah, they they have uh, Dead Weird, Dead which because it's right before Halloween, and so they do a, a great big uh, costume contest where uh, it, it's grown ups and they treat it like Mardi Gras. They get out in the street and, and they dress up so. Um, I did an interview, I, I don't think we'll get to it in this episode, but in another podcast episode, uh, I interviewed Larry Pesci, yeah. and he was done up in full steampunk garb, so you know, several of them were, were done up in costumes, and you might even see it in the background of some of our viewers, a, a lot of visitors and stuff were there. The Black Hills guys were all wearing uh, trench coats like, uh, like mad scientists, yeah. and, and all. it was pretty neat. Well, and, and the interview we're going to go to now, you mentioned Joff a second ago, I wasn't sure if the hat was part of his normal garb, or <laughs> if it's for this, but... Uh, like is he a fake uh, no. Australian or a real yeah, so, oh, Australian? No, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's pulling it off if he's <laughs> if it's fake. But so, uh, yeah, I asked him about that. It's not in the interview, but I asked him about, because he was wearing the hat, very stereotypical outback, uh, and he said it's a great hat. He loved it. He bought it right there in Deadwood. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. it's, it's not an Australian hat, but he, he pulls it off. All right. Well, let's go to that interview now, where uh, where Joff talks about um, you know just uh, kind of what he's seen at the conference as well as what he talked about, which is incident response on a shoestring budget. And uh, so try to enjoy this interview without uh, paying attention just on the hat. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another IT Pro TV interview coming at you live from Wild West Hacking Fest here in Deadwood, South Dakota. I'm Don Pizzette, as usual, uh, but I've got a special guest with me here, Mr. Joff, who you all should already know from Paul Security Weekly and, and other uh, interviews and, and podcasts and things. You are a uh, a man famous in your own right, I suppose. Well, internet famous, at least. <laughs> I think so, yeah. Somewhat internet famous. So, uh, well, as Don was saying, uh, I'm, I'm Joff Thayer. Um, we do uh, 
uh, Security Weekly uh, every Thursday night, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. But I also work for Black Hills Information Security. Uh, and uh, in our business, we do penetration testing and security research work. Um, we're very busy people, um, really, really enjoy what we do. Uh, and we're running this wonderful conference out here in uh, South Dakota called Wild West Hacking Fest. And we've just had a great time this week. So. Yeah, I, I think it's a great conference. It's one of the reasons we're here doing interviews is trying to, to promote and build up awareness so that people know to come out here. Now, you, you're not just here attending. You actually gave a talk. Can you tell us a little bit about your talk? I did. I, I gave a talk out here, which was uh, incident response on, on a shoestring budget. So it's, it's an interesting um, thing. You know, we, we tell a lot of our customers that you should be doing more logging on the endpoints, that you should be getting more visibility into your environments from the perspective of the attackers, uh, because the attackers are going after the individual users and they're, and they're getting access to the, the edge of the network, if you like. They're getting ad access to the endpoints themselves. And so what we need our customers to do uh, is try to increase their visibility at their endpoints, but that often they're in a situation, especially small, medium business, where they just don't have the budget to get that visibility. And so Derek and I, Derek Banks, uh, one of my fine colleagues at uh, Black Hills Information Security, we put together a um, presentation uh, called Incident Response and Monitoring on a Shoestring Budget. We also have an associated blog uh, on the Black Hills website, so if you want to search for that, um, that uh, talks to some of the technical content in that presentation. And we walked through uh, a lot of different techniques um, from uh, Windows event forwarding um, to uh, deploying things like NXLog um, and Sysmon with highly detailed configurations and uh, techniques for um, trying to analyze that data and visualize it um, with the attacker perspective in mind. Uh, being pen testers, we have a lot of knowledge about how attackers actually come into environments and, and uh, compromise them. So. Yeah, now, in your in your career as a pen tester, right? You, you're going out and looking at organizations that that are they're already security aware, at least enough to know they need a pen test, right? So I imagine most of the organizations you do, deal with already have some kind of incident response plan in place. But outside of that, for companies that that don't like that, that aren't actively seeking pen testers, what do you think the the, the uptake rate on that, like how many companies actually even have an incident response plan in place, better yet, uh, a budget for it? You know, that, that's, a, that's a really difficult question to answer, to be honest, but um, we have, um, you know, people that are all over the map, right? You have, you have smaller, um, usually smaller entities that, um, a lot of them leaning towards cloud deployed solutions these days, that just don't have the budget or the time uh, or resources um, to be able to even grow, you know, security groups to be able to grow incident responders, um, and you know, a lot of those are uh, are in the space where they need to reach out and do managed service provider um, kinds of things to to, to complement their work, right? And then you have sort of the opposite end of the spectrum where you've got very large organizations. A lot of them tend to be financials that have a you know a lot invested. They have they have a lot to protect, um, and they have some very highly capable. Uh, incident response and security operations groups where you know they're well instrumented they're doing all the right things they're listening to our show hopefully <laughs> right and, and they've got people that are learning a lot and really contributing to the community so there's a very wide range of, of security um, knowledge and maturity in the industry and uh, what we'd like to do you and I both I think is try to bring that knowledge forward try to bring that more out into the community so that we can increase um, that visibility uh, in the industry as a whole because I think it's just so important. Now you you know you mentioned the the shoestring budget right so um, where do where do you think the biggest expense is is it in the you know finding the IOC that that, that first uh, just knowing that you've been compromised or is it in the how you react where 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 does most of our money get eaten up 
<laughs> Most of our money gets eaten up on people, right? People are expensive. Talented people are even more expensive. Uh, in terms of detection, unfortunately, there's a lot of noise uh, in the environments, right? There's a lot of solutions out there, traditional um, response solutions that have done a really good job with known, well-researched malware. Um, but unfortunately, there tends to be an um, a, a amplification of that noise that sort of the attackers can hide underneath uh, with, with their techniques and um, sort of disappear into the weeds, if you like. And so, you know, it's a really big challenge uh, and it really is a people expense challenge to have the tools and techniques and, and the intelligence in place that can perform that deep level analysis to find those um, you know, persistent threats that are, that are much further beyond known well-researched well threats. You know, I'm, I'm surprised you mentioned people because I, I go to these conferences, right, and I, I've, if I've learned one thing, it's that I've learned that uh, if I have automatic threat detection with artificial intelligence driven real-time threat feeds, I'm, these are every buzzword I can think yeah, that's of. That's right. Drink, then I'm, drink I'm perfectly safe, right? Isn't, isn't that how it works? Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> that's not how it works. Your, your best asset uh, is going to be an analyst that is highly capable at manipulating all the different sources of data that they have, and they also have an extremely deep knowledge of the context, the business context that they're operating in. And they, they know their environments, and they know their business, they know what they're trying to protect. And we certainly have customers that, that meet that criteria, that, that are really well-tuned, that, that have got great talent. One of the biggest challenges our industry, though, is facing today is to grow new talent. You know, I think it's been said over and over, there's a lot of people that are, you know, sort of old grizzly types like me, right? They've been in the industry for some time. Uh, you know, we grew up with it. We wrote a lot of it. We're very talented people, but that's a limited resource, right? We've got to expand the community. We've got to get more people in. We've got to really start to um, grow this industry, not just from the automation perspective, but from growing that, you know, intelligence base, from growing those really good new people coming in. And you really hit the nail on the head that it, part of it is technical skills, right? You've got to learn how to use certain utilities and, and understand the way that it can be used. But you've got to understand your data, that every company is different and, and they have different needs and different types of data, different flow, data flows. So as a pen tester, you, you're going to different places every week. Do you find that it, it's really challenging to understand the data flows when, when you go to a new organization? How much, how much time does it take like for the average person to just figure out where the heck the data is supposed to be? Yeah, that, that's, that's a really interesting question. I, I think I cheat a little bit. Um, it's, it's, that's where experience really does help you uh, as an attacker on the pen tester side, right? If you've built environments, if you've grown very large in enterprise environments, if you've worked around the, the, the IT world for a while and then you have come into a security career, you have a really good sense of how people put things together and that gives you a really strong uh, intuitive sense of where that those critical assets are going to be, right? Where the, where the uh, good stuff is going to be. So. Um, unfortunately, that, that's one of those sort of intuitive spidey sense thing uh, that is things that is very hard to teach. You know, people have to just get into the community, get some experience under the belt to start picking up those kinds of things. All right, now if there was you know, one message that you could send out to all the IT pros out there, like one piece of advice, what, what would that be? Uh, my piece of advice would be um, do your time um, and do your homework. And I guess the other one would be try to hang out with the smartest people you know, right? Talk to people that um, have been there, talk about the experiences, and um, you know, be patient. Don't, don't get too over eager, just take in what you can. This community has an awful lot to give. You just have to be with the right people, talk to the right people, and, and just learn as much as you can.
Um, and you know, there is no substitute for people. We, we've kind of said it a few times here in this interview alone. Uh, you can learn so much by working with a mentor. And that's one of the reasons why I was so excited about Wild West Hackenfest because it was being put on by Black Hills, people who are in the field, who are doing the, the, the work, actually being exposed to these technologies. And uh, how's your experience with the conference been so far as far as like the people you've met? This has been um, absolute pleasure, this conference. I mean, we, we've got a great list of speakers in. Um, a lot of them are our friends in the community. Um, you know, we tend to uh, be attracted to each other. Uh, some of these companies like Black Hills, and there are many other examples that are doing excellent work in the industry. And for a lot of the uh, leaders of those companies to come in and be willing to talk with us and have a good time uh, with us here together it's just, it's like a gathering with f friends and having fun and sharing knowledge at the same time in a really relaxed atmosphere, and it couldn't be better. I mean, it's just fantastic. So. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you spending time talking to us. I know our viewers appreciate it, but I definitely appreciate it as well. Uh, it's always a good time talking to you, Josh. So uh, thanks for joining us. All right. Thanks, Don. appreciate it. All right. And for you viewers out there, thank you guys for watching. Stay tuned because we have more coverage from Wild West Hackenfest coming up. All right. Another great interview, Don. Thanks for that. Uh, and. Uh, we've got we've actually got a ton of interviews um, that we have from this. We're actually going to break this into several podcasts because um, there's so much great stuff that we do want to get you. Um, the next one, uh, you had a chance to talk with Doug White, who's someone who is also uh, you know from the podcast world as well. Yeah, and Doug is, is one of the co-hosts of Pulse Security Weekly. So so is Joff, and you guys have all probably seen him on the, the show there before. Uh, Doug's on there quite a bit because he's local to Rhode Island. The other guys usually have to travel a bit. Uh, but Doug, you know, he, he's with Roger Williams University, and he has – he has been involved in cybersecurity for a long, long time. It's hard to find somebody with as, as storied history as, as like he does. Uh, I'm talking about like back in the 80s that, yeah. that he was dealing with a lot of this stuff. So I, I always like talking to Doug, even outside of interviews, just because he does have a, a neat insight because he, he has a historical context to everything. But, uh, but he was actually giving a talk. And originally it was supposed to be Paul Asadorian giving a talk, and he had some scheduling problems come up. And so Doug not only did he go all the way out to Southwood, uh, to uh, Deadwood, South Dakota to give a talk, he did it at, like the last minute. Like, uh, I'll just hop out there and give a talk. So uh, it was really cool to get a chance to talk to him, even though I, I did miss his talk. So. All right, well, let's go ahead and check out that interview, though, and, uh, and find out uh, what he had to say and get a little recap of the talk, about, which was how to get into the cybersecurity field. So let's take a look. Hello, everybody. I'm Don Pizzette with IT Pro TV, coming at you from the Wild West Hackenfest here in Deadwood, South Dakota. And I had a chance to run into our good friend, Doug White. Doug, most of you guys out there know because we've seen him on, on Paul Security Weekly, and I've had a chance to talk to you over the years. Um, but, you know, before I get ahead of myself, for the viewers that don't know you, would, would you mind telling us a little bit sure. about yourself? So I'm Doug White. I am the chair of cybersecurity networking at Roger Williams University in Bristol, Rhode Island cyber.rw.edu. Um, I'm also the co-host of Secure Digital Life on securityweekly.com, and I'm a often guest host with, with Don here on all kinds of shows whenever Paul, you know, is hungover or whatever kind of thing happened to Paul that day, like, you know, he's stuck in the parking lot or something like that. So, so yeah, so I do all those things and all this and more. And you know, speaking of Paul being hungover, he did have to miss the, the conference this year, uh, and he was going to give a talk, but you jumped in to, to take his place, and I, I got stuck at an airport, so I didn't get to attend your talk. Can you well. tell us a little about, you know, what, what was your talk? Okay. So, yeah, I, I was a fill-in replacement scab. I don't know what, what they call it. <laughs> 
Um, my talk was about how to get into the cybersecurity field professionally because there's a, there's there's two kinds of people here. There's there's people that have a lot, a lot of experience, well actually it's three. There's people that have some experience and maybe don't have the right credentials, but they know what they're doing. And then there's people that are just trying to get into the field, like students and people like that. So my talk was essentially about how to kind of evaluate the landscape of certifications, training, self-study, education, you know, do I get a degree? Do I drop out of high school and just jump in and start coding or whatever? So I wanted to spend some time talking to people about, about uh, my strategies for how to assess that, how to evaluate the landscape and try to pull that together so that you can go out and get like the career that you want to get because a lot of people here are really talented. But then they say, but I don't have a, I don't have a college degree. I don't have a cert. I just do this. How do I do that? So I was talking about portfolios and how to document your work and how to collect sort of the things you do. Like when you do talks here or you do interviews with IT Pro TV, <laughs> you should be capturing that and, and sort of putting it somewhere so that you can take that to employers and say, look, see, I, I, I do look sexy on camera. <laughs> so that, that was essentially what my talk was. That, that, that's what I do, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I did notice that things are really different for people today than they were for people who have been in the industry a, a while longer. It like means I'm in, old. In the, <laughs> in, the, in the olden days, right, we didn't have dedicated IT security professionals. Right. That you got into IT, maybe you were a developer, maybe you were a system administrator, and after working in that environment for several years, you then transitioned into that security role. So you had this whole body of knowledge behind you. Mm -hmm. But now we've got kids right out of high school who say, I want to be a pen tester. Exactly. And they want to skip that, that little area where you get your, your real world expertise of actually using a technology right. before jumping into securing it. So is that a, a challenge that you find with, with students or, or people that are trying to get in there because it's so buzzworthy? I, I really do because it's, it's one of those things that's gotten all sexified on TV. And, and people see television shows that are like, you know, what are these, these forensic shows or what have you, and they see pen testers on there. And they say, that's what I want to do with my life. They have no idea what that means or, or what's involved or what they would actually be doing. It's just like, I want to be that. You know, I want to be a forensicator. I want to be, you know, I want to be an FBI G-man. And it's a real challenge for them because there are many, many tar people targeting them out in the world. And, 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 and that's not bad that there's training available for these things, but it also can tend to produce. We've seen that with other certifications in the past where they suddenly trained up hundreds of thousands of people with, with you know, certain little credentials and they weren't worth very much at that point. So I, I, I try to encourage people to get into the field, to spend more time in the field, to take jobs at socks and things and learn, learn the skills. But it's a, it's a tough sell because you know, that doesn't sound sexy at all. It's like, I'm going to put you in a room and you're going to grind yeah. hard. You're going to learn stuff, but you're going to be working, you know, and there's not going to be any music playing. You actually have to mix the chemicals, you know, and you don't just get to hold the beaker up and it happens, so. But I, I thought hacking was moving 3D cubes around on the screen. Exactly. That's how it is in the movies, right? <laughs> we have yeah. a 3D display here, so. Yeah. <laughs> so what I, I've found is um, for people that are already in IT, that you know they're already working in the field and they want to transition into security. There, there's a number of great programs and, and things they can go into that make sense. But well, like I, I don't want to you know necessarily no, plug I've us, but um, uh, but for somebody who's starting from scratch, those those programs aren't necessarily effective because they get in over their head too fast. And so I know like at the universities, you guys normally have a program that's designed to be a little more. 
uh, like wading in instead of diving in, right? Yeah. So yeah, the university is, is obviously assuming you don't know much. And so that means beginning classes may be putting computers together. I mean, the stuff that we did at work that we had to figure out, so now you can take a class in it. And we try to use resources both from the industry. So like IT Pro TV or Cybrary or, or Udemy or any of these other things that are free or cheap or whatever, so that students can find access to resources. And we try to get students to come to conferences because then they can meet people and they can hear from people like Jeff Mann about stuff that they did. And it, I think that sort of starts instilling this idea that maybe just taking that little four day class is not going to be enough to turn me into super person. All right, now let's talk briefly about the Wild West Hack and Fest okay. because I, I know um, it's not the, the biggest conference in the world. It's not like DEF CON where it draws people from all over the planet, you know, hundreds, thousands, or tens of thousands of people this year. Um, but it is a solid conference. It, you know, there's some really great content going on here that a lot of people just haven't heard about. So I want to get the word out about the conference so that next year people know they need to be here. Tell, tell us a little bit about your conference experience so far. Well, basically, if you're not here, then you're probably not one of the top people in the industry because all of them are here, Paul. Um, uh, literally, I mean, you know, Dave Kennedy and, and all, the, all the guys that are here, I mean, everybody is literally here. So despite it being a small conference in South Dakota, they, John Strand and company, were able to get pretty much all the top people to come and speak. So, which is a great way to start a, a first time of a conference, is putting up big name people that everybody wants to hear from, and they drew a big crowd because of that. Plus, uh, we all learned that this is a region, this area of North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota, Montana, there's a lot of IT security professionals out here and companies like Black Hill Security that are out here. So guess what? There was a whole pile of people showed up for this, and it's been a very busy and there's a lot of people, a lot more people here than I would have guessed if you told me you're going to a conference in Deadwood, South Dakota in I, the winter. I know, and, and that's a perception of this conference that a lot of people have. And when I heard about it, I, I thought, man, this is amazing because it's a conference put on not by security researchers that are just sitting in an office somewhere. These are, are actual field penetration testers that are working for some of the most sensitive government yeah. agencies in the U.S. And they got labs all over this room that are like super, super cool. I mean, they had, you know, they had the 3PO IoT hacking stuff they got all the radio hacking stuff it's just like all the way around the room there's games labs and, and exercises and there's capture the flag next door they, have, they didn't have enough room to put that in here <laughs> all right well Doug um, I, I know you, your time is limited today but I did want to ask you one more question which is that the security landscape is just changing so fast these days and exploits are rolling out so quickly that for somebody out there in the field somebody who's learning trying to stay on top what are some of the areas you think people need to be focused on in the upcoming year I think embedded security, so, so the way that security is built into things, I think that's going to be the next the big field because right now we're still basically doing countermeasures. So we're trying to defend, but we're building walls. And the idea of embedding safe, better code, secure code, and ways to test that more effectively. I know pen testing works, but I want to be able to test it beforehand. So what has to happen is we have to get the QA idea. So when I produce something, I produce that mask over there, presumably somebody tested it and determined it was not quite as radioactive as the ones last year that were produced, that it maybe didn't have really sharp edges to cut your ears off if you accidentally slipped and fell while drinking whiskey at night. I'm looking. This at sounds like experience talking. <laughs> um, but 
you know, I mean, the idea that we actually now start taking things like containers and, and, and building them safer. So it's sort of the thing that we went through with automobiles. You know, we, we had cars, they were great, they were powerful, but people died when they hit the sheet metal dashboard. It was nice because you could just hose it off and sell it again, but I mean, I think that's a Jay Leno <laughs> joke. But, but I mean, at the same time, we need to start doing that with the tools that we use in the industry so that we have, that they're actually more robust from, from the start. So I think that's where people need to start looking is how do we build better tools rather than how do, and we still need to build all the walls, but how do we build better tools so that the tools themselves actually function better? So that would be my take. Awesome. Well, Doug, I really appreciate you spending time with us, and I know everybody appreciates you coming here and speaking at the conference. So, Glad you're uh, thank here you for too. that. <laughs> All right. Well, have a safe trip home, and uh, you know, for you guys out there, stay tuned because we've got more interviews coming from Wild West Hacking Fest coming up next. All right. Another great interview there with Doug White, and something that's near and dear to our hearts of how to get into the IT field. I know we've got some opinions on that as well, but <laughs> um, we can save those for later. So, any closing thoughts on this one? I know, like I said, we've got a lot more interviews, and yep. we'll get to those. Yeah, definitely stay tuned for, for it, but uh, you know, we tried to group the people together by what they were talking about as well. So we've got some hands-on lab stuff that we're going to talk about in another episode and a few other interviews. So just a ton of great people there. Had a lot of fun. The, the main thing I want to impart to you guys, if you just watched this episode and you enjoyed it, be sure to look for Wild West Hacking Fest next year. The, they already agreed. Like John said at the end, in, in the closing words of the, the conference, they are going to do it again next year. It was a ton of fun. And it wasn't terribly expensive. The town was great. Like I said, you definitely want to get out there and check it out. Yeah, it's probably the one time of year that maybe it's harder to get a hotel with the dead weird fest going <laughs> on. But um, but it's definitely uh, probably not as expensive as, as Las Vegas or New York or any of those kind of cool places. But um, so, so like John said, we've got the next one. Uh, we'll talk about some of the challenges. That's really the cool stuff to me when you mm -hmm. get to actually try your, your skills out and, and, uh, and do some hands-on labs. But I'm going to do it for this episode. So be sure if you liked it. Uh, go ahead and uh, subscribe to the podcast, uh, share it with your friends, comment, uh, any of that stuff that helps us move up in the rankings. But uh, for now, we're going to go ahead and sign off. So we'll see you next time.